I've been like thinking about the way that our food and our diets have been changing, especially over the last few years. Like what we grew up eating 20 years ago, and what we see as being like the the trending things to eat now are comp- mm-hmm. like pretty significantly different. Uh, yeah. If you just think of like the 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 basics, like you know, like at that point, McDonald's and all of those were just co- uh, like becoming established brands in India. And, it was such a huge trend to go get your, you know your burgers and and soda yeah and it was an uh, event <laughs> it was an event it was like massive to yeah. go and get like a giant coke and like whatever but yeah, yeah. now i feel like it's it's almost taboo <laughs> to drink a, 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 a like a giant glass of pepsi like well, i don't i wouldn't say it's taboo it's just become so routine that i don't think anyone really cares for it yeah, it became so routine, and then I feel like yeah. it's now we're at the point where everyone's just like, "Yo, that's just too much sugar. Why are you doing this to yourself?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, like I, I don't even think it's a, it's just us growing up, but like overall, like I feel like culturally we have, we're changing at how we, uh, like how we perceive those foods. And I, I think feel just there's some level of um, social consciousness, but that that's also only among certain like strata, you know. Sure. Um, I, th- I think as a whole though you're right people have been st- have been moving away from fast food for a for a while now um right. especially when i was in chennai like uh, i think last year or something pre-pandemic right. uh there was this um place called prem's kitchen oh yeah prem's grammar bojana yeah dude amazing <laughs> and it, it kind of harkens to um this this kind of cultural shift that we're seeing yeah because a lot of people just come there to eat like millet based and like ragi and buckwheat and all of that kind of based food yeah yeah so the concept of that restaurant is that it's like your traditional village food Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, they don't use processed rice and processed grains Uh, they Mm -hmm. try to keep it as like unpolished uh, rice uh, traditional millets of various varieties and use those kind of recipes so yeah, I mean, to quote, who hasn't been there. Yeah, to quote our famous uh, poet Eric Andre, it's straight farm to nug. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, it's that, and then um, a lot of a lot of other like even in Pan Asian restaurants, we never saw buckwheat soba noodles and everything as a popular choice. Mm-hmm. But I've been increasingly seeing them as like the best sellers or whatever on Zomato. Yeah. Also. Uh, also yeah. i feel like uh probiotic food like mm-hmm. you know f- mm-hmm. uh fermented food and uh, other Kombucha. things like, yeah yeah infused with probiotic cultures has been seeing a big uprise so we're seeing a huge change i feel like generally from food that is perceived as like uh like you know like super filling super fatty like like tr- like what yeah, we t- typically thought of as tasty food to mm-hmm. stuff that might be like really good for you and makes you feel different even though it, it might not taste uh the same way actually I, I i i don't even think it's that i think it's just from a carb heavy diet we're moving more towards like a roughage and um protein based diet sure I, and i again this is this is not i don't think this should be taken as a generalization it's just like this kind of cultural consciousness mm-hmm. shift that we're seeing um, mm. in our circles at least uh, because like I 
amongst my friends at least kombucha hasn't caught on but a lot of people are cutting away coke and right. um, they're kind of moving to either the the sugar free versions if they just like the flavor and the caffeine mm-hmm. or they're kind of switching it out for cold coffee and slightly more healthy alternatives yeah although I and even I, i don't even know where to put cold coffee on the healthier alternatives but i mean it, i mean it like is homemade homemade cold <laughs> coffee not like uh, store bought stuff <laughs> but again like even there there's it's not just a trend towards healthiness there's this consciousness of like we want to try and be as ethical as possible we want to consume sustainable food mm. um and a lot of it ties into this discussion around you know um the the way agriculture and uh, climate itself inter- intersects to to a large extent right 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 so there yeah there is a huge movement like especially because of climate change issue mm-hmm. that people are finding the need to be more aware of mm. how their food is uh, being produced so things like a lot of the red meat a lot of people are uh, familiar with how much uh energy goes into the production of uh, like like rearing of cows for the production of beef yep. or uh, other red meats right Uh, so a lot of people might be looking at cutting that out of their diet at least significantly mm-hmm. if not entirely yeah and the like the prime like thing that people would look for when they are open to such a shift is what alternative can they bring into their diet to to supplement what they like both the the taste cravings as well as the nutritional uh, requirements that they needed from right, that right right uh it's it's not just um the energy that goes into um ra- to like raising a cow and everything right it's the it's the space it's the fact that they uh, cows themselves as like methane producers contribute so much to you know g- the greenhouse effect and so on yeah um and it's it's also just i think to some extent i don't want to get into like the 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 fact that okay uh killing animals is murder or whatever but there is a certain um ethical problem when it comes to how cows are factory farmed oh yeah it, yeah, it, yeah. it goes with chickens and pigs and everything yeah uh yeah. so i think it's why a lot of people are turning towards being pescatarian or ethical vegetarians as they'd like to call themselves mm. um because it's it's much easier to get sustainable line caught fish than it is to get like um you know this a similar level of like ethically farmed animal you know where they're given quality of life um that allowed to reach maturity and so on and so forth yeah i think that's also uh for us living on the coast mm, uh, it yeah. makes it easier but uh, perhaps uh, around the world obviously you'll see different yeah there's of, of it's obviously generally, a gradient generally there we have noticed that movement from like at people just being more aware and more interested mm-hmm. in making sure that their food comes from uh, ethical farms or what yeah, what's yeah. what's the word for a, a place that that breeds fish uh, aquaculture farm i guess i i think on the call like they just called um, aquariums right no but different f- no 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 but like different from uh, this thing it's 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 different from the ones where we just go see fish um there's like a aqua- it's just i think that's the technical term probably or something like that i'm not sure <laughs> again <laughs> this is why you've signed on to us this is the dumb dive 
but yeah so uh, yeah so vegetarianism and veganism like like moving in that like switching mm-hmm. over to those uh, like yeah. types of diet even if not strictly at least uh for some days in the week or for yeah. whatever uh however else they might like try to enforce it like mm-hmm. just just out of like the environment and ethical reasons is a significant change so uh there has been a huge growth in like food and beverage companies trying to like come up with solutions to serve that growing uh sort of population yeah we see a lot of uh plant based uh plant based itself as a term has has become like a huge trend we see yeah, a lot of yeah. plant based uh milk alternatives that uh are made out of like we have se- like for for the last few years like for a while we've seen things like soy milk and almond milk but now uh things like milk from cashew oats yeah. um i think i've even seen uh banana like like not banana flavored milk but a milk that's banana extracted milk, from yeah. banana uh and coconut milk all of these things have found their places in various different parts of how we would use dairy milk whether it's for making coffee or ice cream butter cheeses mm-hmm. all of those can be made with these alternatives as well yeah and that that's a huge market right now and it's not just uh, plant based milks right like i think dominos has come out with the impossible pizza which is plant based um chicken alternatives and they're yeah. marketing uh, they're marketing it as like you will literally not taste the difference between this and a chicken pizza yeah and uh, the I- impossible itself is like a company that makes mm-hmm. uh plant based uh, meat alternative like it texturally and taste wise it's supposed to be very very similar to uh uh beef yeah. i think uh, i don't know if they make other meats as well uh beef and pork and uh, lamb i think to some extent i i yeah. i know for sure that beef is there yeah. and i think so pork a- anyways, is being so tried out yeah yeah they make uh they use a bunch of different like grains and vegetables and uh extracts from various uh sources to create yeah, something yeah. that tastes and feels very similar to that and that's what like we remember we said the impossible burger it's that brand name there's yeah, a yeah. few other companies that are doing that uh, i think beyond meat was another one and uh i heard about another one in singapore that mm. has uh, uh singapore is um we'll we'll get to the thing in singapore in a bit i guess Okay, uh, okay. But for, for for now I think I'd like to stay on um, plant-based alternatives because sure. um it, I think the the big cultural shift has been veganism mm. as you know as like a holistic movement not just advocating for a more vegetarian oriented life as an um, as like an ethical choice but also you know when you look at when you look at the kind of clothes you wear and um you know wallets phone cases all of the accessories that we usually buy our toiletries and everything there's there's a certain thing like there's there's vegan friendly kind of alternatives that you should buy because they're not tested on animals they're sourced from like organic ingredients um they're taken from farms where the laborers are paid equitable uh, wages um and the lifestyle itself kind of tries to make everything a bit more sustainable in that sense like you're giving you're trying to provide better wages you're trying to um reduce the impact you have on the cl- on like the environment 
as much as possible by using recycled uh, materials etc etc so i think that's been like the the massive drive towards um uh finding these plant based alternatives um for meat in general yeah right and um, it i mean obviously at the at the core of veganism the way i see it is like the the big ethical questions you know factory farming of animals is murder to a lot of vegans and personally that's that's how i view it mm. um and uh, there's there's a certain there's a certain line also in vegans that i've seen which is like some of them consider pescatarianism fine whereas others eschew everything that's animal sourced mm. yeah i mean that's that's like my brief overview of like the entire movement super yeah, yeah. reductive <laughs> super super reductive but yeah but yeah yeah uh, it, it uh, each indivi- individual obviously has like their mm. like the level to which they are uh like willing Committed to cut to out cause. animal products and also like uh yeah so it, it's obvious like there's going to be some people who are extreme some people who are just like mm. i kind of want to reduce but uh, you know what I, yeah they don't want to let go of their conveniences too much and that's fine yeah you know but um, the fact factors like no matter where people are even if uh, you are a meat eater who isn't uh, ready to budge you've certainly come across people who are like on that fence right now and mm. trying to look at these alternatives trying to see what's possible uh, either to be more healthy because they're are uh, like for certain requirements it might be easier to cut down fat or so, or, or certain other nutrients if you are on a plant based diet or there are a lot of other reasons that people might want have to switch like what we mentioned earlier so mm-hmm. certainly this is a a trend that's like picking up super fast recently yeah and i think you know when we talk about ve- since we've talked about veganism we should now go to that lab in singapore <laughs> um, right so so from what i've read i don't remember the name of the lab um but they they basically um they've grown cultured they they they're growing cultures of meat from stem cells mm-hmm. and i think they've recently gained um approval for selling those um cultured meats in the form of chicken nuggets There's actually a few companies that are doing that in Singapore like the one I was thinking of was this uh, one called Shiok Foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they also uh, they're the same one that you're talking about that does chicken nuggets now but uh, they were one of the few ones that uh, focused on uh, seafood on lab mm-hmm. cultured seafood because a lot of other research projects and labs were trying to do lab grown uh, red meats uh, yeah. like beef or pork especially in southeast asia they found a big demand for this so they had shrimp and uh, lobster i think that could okay. have been lab grown but i think uh as far as i know even if they have a uh, permission to sell these are really not cost effective for the average consumer yet oh absolutely <laughs> like i i think uh, for like one dumpling that would they would make out of that it would be like 200 to 300 worth of meat it's it's insane like they have to spend 30000 dollars per kilogram or something uh, like absurd mm. like that but yeah. it's still a very early 
stage for that uh, field of research yeah but like it brings a completely new possibility of being able to create these uh meat in the lab hopefully in a more sustainable way uh and if that is possible like if it can be made uh without as much uh, like harm to the environment and at a much lower cost than it is now like what what does that actually mean like where where are we going to stand on lab grown meat like is that right. is it yeah so so i think the the big issue is how energy efficient we can make it because mm-hmm. if it gets to the point where it affects the environment less than the the current um industry the current cattle industry as a whole i think it it's definitely a lot more acceptable then you know especially like mainly because of the energy costs the raw material costs etc cetera, etc cetera. however obviously there's there's a lot of people who are going to be super apprehensive about eating lab grown food yeah that's what i was thinking yeah cuz it, it it just gives that weird feeling right like <laughs> because like, like the level of apprehension that we see to something mm. like gmo which yeah. is so much uh, like it's it's so minor co- in comparison to like lab growing the entire thing yeah yeah, uh, yeah. and it's like, not even i mean i i i, I want to make a slightly radical cra- claim here like almost everything we're eating is a gmo people people get freaked out about you know people turning brinjols orange and like bananas blue and everything mm. uh, as as like part of the the entire gmo thing like you see all that misinformation on facebook but every single rice grain at least in india a lot of the big rice varieties are genetically modified for high yield you know they require their and they're disease resistance resist- and of course yeah 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 pest resistance and so on and so forth yeah the 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 already they're already genetically modified if not in a lab then through selective breeding and um hybridization yeah so yeah i i kind of understand the the kind the the apprehension against gmos because it 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 feels like you're tampering with natural law and so on but mm-hmm. we have been doing that since the onset of civilization right it's just natural order at this point yeah so do you think that like lab grown food is just basically the same like level of argument is just uh taking it to the next stage i, I so i think do you think there is a bigger ethical question here in growing animal meat in the lab uh i don't think so so okay so let me let me move a bit towards stem cells right because mm-hmm. i think stem cell research has been one of the most controversial fields in medicine if i'm not wrong but but there've been n number of therapeutic um therapeutic experiments and therapeutic kind of lab trials and a lot of them have shown to be incredibly effective with minimal to no consequences cuz all you're doing is taking cells that are not yet differentiated and introducing them into the body so that's my again that's my dumb dive into uh, stem cell treatments as as far as i know um and from what i understand lab grown meat is just taking that the the undifferentiated stem cell kind of thing and moving it to animal muscle fibers right. so the way i see it there's not really an ethical question there anymore cuz we're just mimicking biological processes that are constantly happening mm-hmm. and we're just doing it in more controlled hygienic kind of um environments 
the the big question as far as i see it and of course there's going to be so many people who disagree with me and that's fine i completely accept that um the big question as i see it is the environment friendliness you know um to reduce it to that mm. thing basically how limited is the envi- the energy consumption and uh, what kind of raw material is needed what is the the kind of um space that is needed as well because okay. space constraints also factor a lot into cattle economics mm-hmm. uh, yeah so there's like a bunch of those kind of questions which i think are the big deciding factors as to whether this becomes um an accepted mode or if it's just like a fad that will soon die out yeah yeah <laughs> obviously um, you're, you're not in a position to answer for everyone but like do you think uh this kind of meat would have uh like more acceptance from vegetarians i think so i think i mean personally speaking at least as um as someone who has eaten meat and is now an ethical vegetarian i think yeah this this kind of thing would honestly be a huge huge um change in that sense because while there are people who are uh, vegetarians for religious reasons and cultural reasons there are a lot of others who are veg- who are vegetarians because of ethical kind of con- uh, concerns and uh, lab grown meat if it's been shown to be cost effective etc etc if it's shown to be vegan in quotation marks mm. i think yeah that 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 should be an incredible alternative for a lot of people who've sworn off meat for you know ethical reasons but i mean so so going from lab grown meat right so that's one possible alternative to the future of meat itself right um another future which i saw recently was um this this high school in i think it was new mexico that uh instead of you know serving beef beef tacos and beef burritos as is you know i won't say tradition but as is probably kind of common or or relatively common they they served insect insect tacos and insect burritos so like crickets and beetles and mm. mealworms and uh it just got me thinking you know like a lot of i think a lot of um, i don't want to say racist but a lot of like latent discrimination kind of comes uh, against southeast asian cultures and china and china to some extent mm. as a way of saying oh they eat weird stuff like insects and uh, all of that and I don't really know if it's that weird, right? right. Yeah, like and for also, one. Also, you said that the example was like uh, in Mexico or something. You said New uh, Mexico, so like okay, New Mexico, near California. Okay. Yeah, but near California. Uh, from what I know, in Central America, like obviously not in the U.S., but uh, mm-hmm. there it is. Uh, at least traditionally, it has been quite common to have these uh, fried. It's something like a grasshopper, uh, from what I yeah. understand. Yeah, uh, in yeah. tacos, I think that's like a pretty like popular delicacy in certain areas. And there are villages in Rajasthan where they eat locusts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's definitely it's definitely not a mainstream food, but I don't think it's as um, as extreme or as isolated as some of the more xenophobic members on Facebook and Twitter might have <laughs> might have a lot of people believe. Yeah, yeah, but but, but they're also the same people who would, who who would get upset if someone put cinnamon in your food. Like it's, I oh yeah, don't, yeah. <laughs> don't take them too seriously. But yeah. uh, I think the the stigma against eating insects is significantly more common than that. Of obviously just making a joke. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of the stigma comes from the fact that insects are traditionally pests, and they're yeah. also creepy crawlies, right? That's the term. That's the term we've kind of grown up using, mm. um, in English at least. They're just they're very very scary to look at, and what more gruesome e- thing can you do to something you hate than eat it? Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like insects. Okay, so this is this is how I view insects. They're they're yeah. almost aliens. Yeah. Because they don't really have a body structure that's similar to anything else on the planet. I mean, there's and enough of them to be like similar. But a whole uh, other planet. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I get what you mean by that. They're not similar to uh, mammals or uh, mammals, fish birds, or birds, reptiles. Or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, it's just it's just the fact that they look so outlandish and they look mm. so alien and. Mm. A lot of a lot of the scariest things to a lot of people are spiders and scorpions and like things that creep around in the dark which you can't see. Yeah. Right. And I think um, it's 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 just the centuries, millennia old genetic fear that we have programmed to some extent mm. that causes this revulsion towards insects. Mm. That's not that's not to say insects are bad though, right? It's just it's just part of our genetic. Um, or biological kind of makeup. But I think it's, uh, yeah, I think a, a significant part of that is cultural because mm-hmm. uh, like we don't come from a culture that has been eating that, at least in the recent past. I, I can't yeah. even say like a few hundred years ago, if you go back, like if they were eating it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like since we've grown up like that, we might like be in a uh, like environment where m- most of the people are thinking like this, but for a culture that does consume them, I don't think that they might have any of that sort of relationship with insects. I mean, I don't think they'll have it with the insects they eat, but definitely with the others. Like, <laughs> it, it's just, I, I think there's just this sort of inbuilt thing that makes us fear snakes and, you know, scorpions and whatever, whatever. But I, I find it fascinating that you're bringing those in when we talk about insects. I mean, creepy crawlies, things that slither about in the dark, all of that right so yeah so on on that no no, but on that front like for insects like i feel like perhaps having entire like uh, grasshoppers or whatever in your taco might be uh difficult for a person who's never had it before to try Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but uh, a very common uh way that uh like insect pigs produce is being sold or at least like in its concept uh, in early stages is uh, like as f- as like a ground up flour that you yeah. can use to make uh, breads or cookies or add it to anything else and it's a very like it's like a really good source of of high protein with without mm. very high fats yeah there's also this uh, place in Tokyo somewhere which I saw on YouTube that's uh, selling like insect based ramen which is like the broth, the toppings, and the noodles are all made from insect components, and yep. you can choose which insect. Mm. So that's that's like another way that's being sold as like this kind of boutique experimental food. Right. Um, but so as a future of food, I kind of see it because mm. you know you need way less energy, you need way less space to kind of take care of insects. But there was uh, something that you wanted to mention about the ethics of farming insects like this to people. I mean, to it's feed. it's it's kind of the same as factory farming fish or chicken, right? Because you just 
wholesale slaughter them basically um and i think a lot of so it's similar to silkworm product to silk production as well Mm. to some extent because um when when you produce silk you basically boil the silkworm larvae alive in their own cocoons and then you extract the silk that's that's just how it's traditionally being done and right. it's kind of similar for a lot of insect meat production mm. um they they kind of um they they kind of roast them alive or they kind of dehydrate them mm. until they die kind of thing mm. um again i can't speak for every whatever every producer of insect related meat and insect related food but this is what i've read uh, but i'm i'm very fascinated by how people will perceive this like would people still take like uh like a slaughter of insects the same way they would take uh, like a commonly thought of as like like a very con- as conscious as uh, a sentient being kind yeah, of thing, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, things like uh, uh, like cows or other animals or dogs. Yeah, or is whatever, there a spectrum? You know I mean? Is there a spectrum where it's tolerable for some people? Yeah. Um, so so there's there's that end of the future. So that's like eating insects and like figuring out how to make them viable in your diet. Hmm. Um. But like the the big problem I have with all of this, well well not with lab grown meats I guess, but mainly with insects is the fact that it's indiscriminate slaughter. it's mm. it's it's kind of why i'm against buying silk in general it's it, it 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 rubs me the wrong way and the 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 big um the big hypocrisy in my own behavior like i'm willing to say that i'm hip- i'm a hypocrite to some extent because we all kill mosquitoes like indiscriminately right like we spray we spray bug spray we kind of want to yep. get rid of ants and termites and um cockroaches and very often for most people There's no peaceful solution to that. You just spray bug spray and pesticide on them until they die. Yeah. There's that kind of indiscriminate slaughter. Yeah, um, most people aren't trying to find like even consider a peaceful <laughs> yeah. alternative to to getting rid of mosquitoes. Yeah, like, I mean, so there's that. But on the yeah. other end, I am s- definitely perturbed by, you know, boiling insects alive uh for silk or, you know, um unethical ways of killing them i don't know if there is an ethical way to kill insects but you mm. know this kind of unethical factory farming of their uh, of their flesh for our consumption mm. um there's a definite hypocrisy there there's a definite like duality there and i think it's it's kind of interesting to figure out what a larger populace would like uh to say about this kind of thing yeah yeah because i, I haven't actually ever really uh heard of the whole insect rights argument against eating <laughs> right? insects uh yeah. i've always like heard of people who are disgusted or creeped out by the concept or just like not interested in it uh, obviously i have heard people who are interested in it, but like i haven't heard like of like an ethical like side of it like like considering it a slaughter so i just like find it fascinating whether a majority of people would Uh, would they consider would it think slaughter? it like that yeah exactly yeah because yeah. like we i i never really thought of killing mosquitoes or using like one of those like uh, mosquito sprays as slaughter it's just yeah it's just getting rid of mosquitoes right yeah yeah 
but then or even I mean, cockroaches at, ants whatever like we, yeah, we see I mean, a lot of that yeah and if you look at stuff. one of the most uh, if you look at one of the most popular ways to get rid of mosquitoes which is that electric bat thing yeah. it looks like a tennis racket and you press a button and it kind of has um a, a current that flows through the the net right. um that burns the mosquitoes alive mm-hmm. by the way yes it zaps them unconscious and then you burn them alive when you use that thing yeah um on the same thing like we if there's a rat in your house uh, I, 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 like it feels only it the feels right thing wrong. to do to, to to like catch it like alive and then try to get it out instead of like yeah yeah like using one of those like snapper things that just like crush or it. rat poison right like yeah, exactly. i think there's there's been a definite decline in using those things but uh, more people are opting for rat traps and ways to like rehome the rat or like just move exactly. it out of the house yeah but similar kind of I, i i think it's safe to say privilege right a similar privilege isn't given to cockroaches or um spiders you know we just we just kind of smack them with a newspaper and throw them out kind of thing <laughs> or spray spray pesticide and yeah it's is there a spectrum for murder <laughs> for killing an animal uh, at at what point is it considered wrong to kill and at what point is it you know all right yeah so like like if we were to do like a tier list like i feel like mosquitoes way down there at the bottom mosquitoes okay personally mosquitoes deserve to die i know i i mean <laughs> i'm i'm fully aware of me being a hypocrite you know calling uh, insect farming as murder and indiscriminate slaughter blah 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 mosquitoes just deserve to die they don't do anything absolute they're below f tier they're in the you don't deserve to live tier <laughs> so i feel like perhaps like a level above that would be stuff like ants and your like typical like bugs um i don't think so because see the 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 argument i have against mosquitoes is that they don't have a meaningful role in any food web they actually don't add anything to the food web so they just why are they there they just don't deserve existence because they don't do anything as part of the food web and anyone listening is a mosquito specialist and wants to debate oh yeah, in favor of mosquitoes to, yeah no no please reach out to us and like correct my misconceptions because if mosquitoes play like somehow the most important role in the food web i like, might, i won't reconsider my hatred but i definitely won't say they don't deserve to exist I know that uh, the male mosquitoes, especially, are significant uh, pollinators for a bunch of plants around. But yeah, I I mean, uh, bees already do that. Although, although yeah, I mean that's 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 a whole other issue we might have to get into at some point. <laughs> but but yeah, um, so I I mean ants are superbly important uh, important for um, uh, facilitating deco- decomposition and recycling of nutrients and so yeah. on. Yeah, and but they, all also all my rating scale is or like all this rating that I'm like going through yeah. is like like are people like going to be likely enough to like feel okay <laughs> killing them? Ah, okay. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, sure, sure. That way, like mosquitoes, everyone just wants them gone, <laughs> or everyone I've spoken to wants them gone. Yeah. Then above that is ants, cockroaches, and so on, where you don't really feel guilty for killing them. You're just like. Eh. you know they're, not, they're they're kind of it's a necessary evil type thing they're ruining our supplies yeah. we have to get rid of them yeah termites uh, and that kind of stuff yeah yeah 
a step of above that would be like I would rats. put like worms. No, I would put like worms. Above, I, wait, like ab- you know, like uh, like caterpillars and like centipedes and ah, uh, uh, like centipedes I put with like the like that. centipedes I put with the 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 ants and cockroaches kind of tier. Because centipedes, <laughs> right. I think most people will just like get rid of in any at any means necessary. Whereas caterpillars and um, earthworms and so on, they'd rather like put them out like away yeah. from the plants they're feeding on right like i feel like you like with and something spiders like those also like to a large extent I like think. they Most have too much uh like like too much of a body to like feel okay with like with like squishing them <laughs> squishing them or just like yeah like like it feels more tangible than a than a mm-hmm. tiny mosquito you know what i mean yeah and i think spiders also to to a large extent most people yeah. would rather just move them out of the yeah know, the big the house. ones especially yeah, yeah yeah it's just more like get out we're not yeah. going to kill you just get out kind of thing it's, um, it's fascinating though like yeah like i i feel like like i feel like if people were to make like popularize ant chutney uh, i know it's a traditional food in certain parts of india mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it may not have as much uh backlash as something made out of say millipedes yeah i think there's 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 some way i think there's actually a lot to do with how we perceive certain insects versus others because mm. yeah. calling someone a worker ant or calling someone an ant it can be taken negatively but there's also a lot of positive kind of connotations you give when you're saying oh he works like an ant you know like he's mm. he's super industrious doesn't re- doesn't like go against the order he's like industrious follows orders well right. you know does his duty all of that whereas when you call someone a cockroach hmm. you're calling them <laughs> disgusting bottom feeder <laughs> kind of like yeah <laughs> they're not nice <laughs> which is probably like why most of us are fine with having things like honey as well yeah i mean bees are bees are bees are great they don't hurt people unless they're provoked they provide honey they provide some of the 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 most um sophisticated kind of um social structures we can study mm-hmm. you know the the really really important for uh how a lot of fruit species can uh fruit fruit um what is it flowering species of plants there we go they're very res- they're very um important and necessary for that for that life cycle for right. the pollination and reproduction life cycle so i think that w- like i mean we all like b- bees that way like sure it sucks when you get stung by one but i don't think anyone would call for the extermination of bees the way i call for the extermination <laughs> of mosquitoes <laughs> or pigeons pigeons are just flying mosquitoes with with like feathers uh, yeah <laughs> not going to get into that one <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean uh So yeah, there's there's this thing of perception uh, regarding how we view um, the killing of these um, these insects or these certain animals. Because this I think is a, an argument that is like very similar to what we see in uh, meat consumption as well, like a traditional mm-hmm. meat consumption. Yeah. There's certain animals that culturally we've just decided to accept as this is okay for food, this is not okay for food. You yeah, yeah. I mean? these are slightly above vegetables, whereas these are treasured companions. Yeah, <laughs> not gonna name drop which species of which, but I mean, you know what it's I'm it's pretty about. no no it's pretty easy to to like make that distinction, right? Because you have you have the factory farmed, 
then you have the more exotic meats like maybe rabbit um, and duck right and then you have the ones which which most people would consider repulsive like cats and dogs and horses to some extent yeah uh yeah like most cultures would consider these animals as like they're so closely intertwined with human culture that they essentially become like our family members but the thing is they're like closely intertwined to uh urban culture primarily like urban as in like in cities right for people living on the farms i'd assume that there the other animals that they are rearing play a big part like big role in their lives like the cows and but i I'd, i'd also say like being part of a farm puts you in like really close proximity with that cycle of death right like mm. you know that every animal on the farm is going to die at some point right or they're going to get culled at some point for food so you're you're w- very well aware of that whereas in urban settings we're not accustomed to or we're not put in proximity to that death mm So and I think it's also just the fact that cats, dogs and horses have just been part of this um this kind of cultural thing for humans. Cats and dogs as companions and like uh, well cats as companions and like guardians of the 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 place where we store our gran- grains and stuff, the granaries and all. Yep. Dogs as like hunting companions and you know just the way they are, you know. The dogs. And horses because they they're like almost the most vital part of our supply chain until very recently yeah until like couple of 100 years ago yeah um and so and specifically for india cows have also played that uh, that yeah, yeah, a lot of people yeah um so when 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 you try and uh, put like a spectrum of which animals are okay to eat and which ones aren't I think there's some level of alienation that we kind of force ourselves into. Mm-hmm. So certain animals are okay because we're so closely kind of accustomed to them and we know them so well culturally. Yeah. Whereas other animals we kind of force ourselves to be alienated from them. Like chickens are just chickens, you know? Right. Same thing with sheep and so on. We don't particularly consider them um close companions or like as part of a human culture beyond food. I I think I think I I I mean I'm overstating uh, this argument probably I'm making it a little too simple but perception definitely plays a huge role in what we consider valid food and what we consider not so valid you know that that that's definitely like uh, like a big part of it and for like it's also like for whatever reason like uh at, like if like popular f- like like if cultural foods use that uh uh that certain animal like if you're just used to seeing people eat it and y- like you have been introduced to that food right you're just Your probably just going to be, be more like different. like whether like uh, popular stories that ha- that feature that food uh that that animal uh mm. portrayed as like intelligent or whatever Yeah, like I mean, if you just grow in an environment where people eat it, you'd probably just be more likely to sort of accept it as a food. Right. I mean, okay, like I I I kind of want to go off a bit into an example here, but like there are n number of stories of like dogs and foxes and wolves in our mythologies. Like yeah. I'm just I'm just giving like a broad mythologies kind of thing, right? 
but you'd rarely see a chicken god you know yeah i i think uh, i think a lot of that is that like the chicken that people eat now is like so far removed from the birds like the f- yeah, like the yeah. wild fowl that yeah probably that is uh, like at least in india has existed for a while like the chickens are just like this like really bizarre like a uh, product of what has happened only because they have been primarily like raised as food <laughs> and so see, like over generations if they changed how they look like if you were to see a wild fowl and compare it to the modern chicken like yeah. that is just like filled with uh, antibiotics and stuff it's just so significantly different birds <laughs> you know there is a future for food we don't know what it is we've kind of dumb dived into mythology but we're definitely wrong yeah yeah so <laughs> i like i think a, uh, like but the thing is like the like sort of like to wrap it up like the yeah. is a significant move towards uh, ethically sourced food et- yeah. ethical consumption of food and ethical production of food uh, and it, obviously food is one aspect of that movement there's a lot of other cultural changes that mm-hmm. are happening to support that uh environment yeah. is one one big factor like understanding climate change uh but also the way we shop people are less likely to, to use fast fashion and uh right. and unethical companies that are like prioritizing gains over worker livelihood mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things coming into play here yeah uh, food is one part of it so we see a movement towards uh both healthier and sustain more sustainable food uh through like newer technology driven things like lab grown meat or like uh stuff like soylent which is like a a bizarre combination of several things that <laughs> try to provide you the the nutrients you need nutrients. to go get through a day uh but also towards looking at traditional food sources uh like in through a different light and try mm-hmm. to see like what have we actually mi- missed out on by moving towards processed food and using modern logistics and things that made it difficult for us to use this over the last 20 years like because they have a low shelf life or whatever other reason can we bring yeah. them back into our diet yeah and yeah yeah i think that's that's probably the best way to wrap this episode up yeah. so uh thanks for listening to us definitely check out um like If you don't want to eat insects and stuff and if you want a rice substitute definitely try out millets um I like me and mom have been kind of doing this thing where a week or so every month we kind of swap out rice for uh, barnyard millets and all it's so good like you don't taste that much of a difference from rice but you feel noticeably healthier that entire week it's phenomenal um yeah. and, and there's there also are, a bunch of different varieties of rice that you can experiment yeah. with like there's all like if you go to and like your local especially in india like rice dealer uh, mm-hmm. there's one right here that has like 24 different grains that he just like has like these samplers right in front and yeah. ask them talk to them ask them for recommendations they'd usually give you something really cool that uh, tastes completely different from your standard like ponni or basmati rice or whatever yeah but yeah. there's so much flavor in those grains itself and nutrients and a lot more and stories that's the most yeah. important here yeah yeah 
and I mean, just to fi- just to have like a final add on to whatever we've said, it's it's coming from our worldview. Like we haven't solved. Um, I I think as a as like a culture, as like a civilization or whatever. Uh, there's still you know hunger. There's still a lot of these issues that need to be solved before we get to the point where everyone can live sustainably. But I think for the most part, we are moving towards that um that point. We are moving towards um an an age or like a a, a certain standard of living where people can afford to be more sustainable. At any at any bracket, you can make small steps. So. That's kind of like the last thing I wanted to add on, but yeah, this has been a uh, dumb dive. I don't know if this this particular one has been incredibly dumb, but uh, hey, um, this is Pranav. I'm Arvind. Thanks for listening until the end.